Pastor Scott and lead pastor of the river and really glad that you're checking out our uh, online podcast and our services and hope that you are blessed by this. Certainly, if you have any questions, if you're wondering about stuff that goes on here or maybe you're checking out our website more and seeing things that you uh, are wondering whether or not you might want to participate in them, feel free. Contact us in the office. Give us a call. Send us an email. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Love to answer any questions that you have. Uh, we hope that you are blessed by what you hear on, on this podcast. We hope that God's Word continues to have power in your life. And we pray that uh, God makes himself known, that you know how much he truly, truly, truly loves you. Thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the service. Hey, will you stand? We're going to read together from Galatians. We are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're calling it Life on the Vine. Um, We believe as a community that as we stay connected to the life-giving Spirit of God, that bears fruit in our lives, Um, a tangible fruit, something uh, that people might experience and notice and find refreshment in. And as we as a people stay connected to the Holy Spirit, um, as we are obedient to where God and Jesus is calling us, um, we think that has implications for the world around us. We hope that that makes a difference. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit um, of gentleness. And um, before we do, I want to read Galatians 5, starting at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, the rest of these, by the way, are all kinds of love. They're all ways that love gets expressed. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. What does love look like? Here's what it looks like. Joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's it. You can have a seat. So this week I was charged the task of preaching on gentleness. Um, You can imagine my excitement about preaching on gentleness it, out of all of them, is not like the, the most compelling or the easiest sell. Uh, imagine some guys, like, hanging around, and they're talking about, like, how life is going. And one is like, dude, how are you? And the other one is like, great, man. I'm just, like, growing in gentleness. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be, like, a very compelling conversation. You know, two people... Uh, kicking it at football or volleyball practice and like, so how are things? Great, just becoming more gentle. Um, I wanted to have uh, some animals here this morning. Um, I had sent out an email to a few people who own uh, bunnies and um, puppies And I just said, how about we have like some bunnies and puppies in the foyer? And that way the kids can come and like pick up a bunny and like pet it. And we'll talk about like how it's important to be gentle. We're constantly saying this at our house with our animals. We heard that if you have animals, your kids like develop this sense of compassion. So um, we have a dog, a little dog who's just really cute. Like you see it and you just like your heart melts. It's terrified of our two-year-old. 
Um, and so it's done like the exact opposite in our house because she's constantly chasing the dog around with a stick. And it runs behind me and just like hides and just like, please, keep me away from your children. Master, please. Um, so anyhow, that got shot down, the whole dog and puppy thing. Uh, in the foyer. Also, allergies is apparently a thing that people struggle with. But, you know, uh, cultivating this sense of gentleness as a community um, is what we want to talk about. Uh, and it's kind of, it can be a challenging sell. You know, it's a little bit hard to, to, to talk to a community about developing and getting better at um, cultivating this fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to do my best this morning to persuade you that the way of God in the world is a gentle way. And hopefully we can, we can get there together. Uh, the word gentleness, as we read it in Galatians, um, it can be translated some different ways. I guess in the old King James, it was actually uh, meekness. It might also be translated as humility. It's the Greek word proutus. And those three words can kind of be used interchangeably in the New Testament to describe what it looks like to walk in the way of God. It's, it's a gentle way. The, the idea of gentleness or meekness or humility is a restrained strength. It's a strength that doesn't uh, use power or coercion. It refrains from resorting to those things. I had to look up coercion to get a better definition of that. And the definition that I have of coercion um, is persuading by uh, using force or threats. It's to persuade someone by using force or threats. Essentially, it's parenting. That seems like so much of what parenting is. You better get in your bed or else fill in the blank. I don't know what it is in your house. Uh, for us, wild crats is kind of a, a, you know, gives us some leverage over kids. So does candy, powerful leverage. Um, and I feel like Julie and I are constantly trying to sort of coerce our kids into acting properly, persuading them by threatening them. And, and the idea of gentleness or meekness, or humility, is when we refrain from resorting to our power, to our position, our authority. We refrain from using that. We defer. We don't coerce. Um, we live in a culture where uh, power and aggression are very prominent. We are one of the most violent cultures, if not the most violent culture, in the history of the world. Uh, the average American sees something, I read in a study, like 18,000 violent images, violent images a year. 18,000 violent images a year. First service, I said that's like 500 a day. I was corrected. It's actually like 50 a day. Simple maths. But we're surrounded and embedded in a culture of violence. Imagine a video game 
where you were like a, a wanderer or a, an explorer, and your job was to go around petting pun- bunnies and puppies. Nobody would play that video game. How many puppies can you pet? You know, there's a level to see how many you can get. There's a level to see how many kittens you can rescue from a tree. Now, nobody wants to play that. We want to play how many bad guys can you destroy? And how fast can you do it? And how many weapons can you gather? How big is your arsenal? Those are the video games we play. Imagine if Halo, instead of like fighting your friends, you know, Halo, there's like seven Halos now, right? Instead of like fighting each other, like, boom, I blew you up. You were like, I just found a new friend in Halo and we shook hands and they introduced themselves to me. And some of you are like, what is Halo? It's a video game. Ask somebody here under 21 or James Verhoeven and they'll let you know. They'll let you know all about it. World of, what's the big one right now? World of war. Right? Minecraft, I guess, is kind of not violent, is it? Yeah, David? A little bit? There's a movie that came out a while back. I have the quote in here uh, called Taken. Anybody seen Taken? Taken, Liam Neeson. His best role easily was when he was Jean Valjean in The Les Mis from the 90s. If you haven't seen that one, but you've seen the one from the 2000s, highly recommend the 90s version. Very moving. Liam Neeson plays this dad whose daughter gets taken. I have thought through this scenario in my head, and i got to be honest, my reaction, I really like what Liam Neeson does. (laughs) He calls up the bad guys, and he's like a special agent, operative, something. You know, one of these people that has, like, they can look at you and kill you. Ridiculous amounts of like violent training Liam Neeson has. And he calls up the bad guys and he says, I have a particular set of skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And that violent impulse in me gets satisfied when I hear Liam Neeson call the bad guys on the phone. That's why they didn't stop at taking one. They made taking two. And they didn't stop at taking two. They made taking three. We live in a culture that's increasingly violent. Not only that, but we celebrate violence. We cheer it on. Nothing like watching an NFL game where somebody lays a dude out and they're just cashed out. Now, there's like a weird moment. We celebrate, we're like... Yeah, he just hit him like a 250-pound rocket through the air. Woo! And then there's like a moment when the guy doesn't get up where you're kind of like, wow, that's terrible. (laughs) Wow, we hope he's okay. Like, we try to be concerned, and we just celebrated this monster hit, right? We love violence. We're a culture that celebrates aggression and power and domination of the strong over the weak. Unfortunately, this leads to to some other things and, and maybe even some blind spots in us as a culture. California currently 
is set to execute. That means there are um, people waiting to be killed. They're on death row. 765 inmates. 765. Uh, That's the most out of any state in the Union. It means that there are people uh, currently waiting to die at the hands of the state, the hands of our government, which is run by you and me. We are prepared as a culture to execute as many people as are a part of our church. That's about right where our church is, in between seven and 800 people. I know that makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable as well. As a nation, we've got about 3,000 inmates, people, on death row, waiting to die. We are a, a violent culture. Last year, they estimate there were about 2 million cases of domestic abuse, men to women. That, that's not even women to men, that's just men on women. About 2 million cases of assault, physical domestic abuse. Two million hitting each other, hurting each other. In a nation of about 300 million, we had two million reported cases of that. We're in a culture where violence is prevalent, where aggression is real, where the strong do dominate so often the weak. And by and large, we celebrate it. We cheer it on. We, we legislate for it. This is a challenging, challenging piece of living where we are in the time and place that we do. How do we be a people who say, we are bound by the Spirit of God to live in the accordance with Jesus' commandments We are trusting our salvation. We trust our eternity with him, which means we trust our present with him, which means we've invited him to lead us. We want to walk in his way and live in a place where violence and aggression is the preferred mode of operating. These are challenging things for us. I I don't know about you, but so often gentle and meek can be perceived as weak. It can be perceived as as just lacking a a, a backbone to to be gentle. Imagine these kind of two ways, two groups of people. Uh, On the one hand, you have a parent, a mom, who with her children is constantly kind of stirred by this desire and impulse to get them to do what she wants them to do. And so she, she does like these little coercive tricks to get them to do what she wants to do. And when they don't do that, she becomes enraged and filled with anger. She says things to her children to hurt them so that they will change their behavior to line up with her expectations. On the one hand, you've got like this coercive, the powerful lording it over the weak activity, which I find myself in situations like that. And then imagine another mom who, when her kids disobeyed, was disappointed. 
But she carried her disappointment inside. And, and maybe they saw it, her kids saw it. And she followed through with consequences. She followed through with, with action. She didn't just kind of sit there like a, a limp noodle, but she followed through with tenderness, with care, with concern for her kids. She wasn't weak, but she was gentle. What about two bosses? You have one who's continually frustrated by employees, by their lack of production. This boss is, had created a hostile work environment where there's like all this competition, and I think competition can be good, but this competition that leads people to do terrible things, leads people to tell lies about their coworkers, leads them to try to schmooze with the right people because they're clawing and they're trying to get ahead by putting others down. They're, they're trying to promote themselves at the expense of the people around them. It's created a real toxic environment. And the boss at some level is to blame because of the expectations that they set and the way that they have led. And now imagine a boss who inquires about your well-being, who asks how you're doing, how your weekend was, how your family is. Some of you can almost laugh at that. Yeah, right. You don't know the environment that I work in. I worked in concrete construction among immigrants. I've seen both of these things. I've seen a boss berate guys and treat them like they're not even human. And I've seen somebody exercise something completely different. It wasn't weakness. Gentleness isn't weakness. It's strength that refrains from lording power over people, from trying to coerce them into your way of being. Is this, as a Christian community, the fruit that we share with the world? Is this, as a Christian family, the way that we treat one another? What is it about gentle people that they have, that they know, that they are? What is it that, that they exercise day to day that allows them to sort of posture themselves in a way that's strong but refrain from using coercive activity or power to get people to do what they want. A couple things. Gentle people, number one, this was my favorite find this entire week. If you hear nothing else, I hope you hear it. In Matthew 5 verse 5, Jesus is teaching about what it means to walk in his way. What it means to live in union with God. And he says, it's the meek who inherit the earth. It's the meek who inherit the earth. They don't conquer it. They don't purchase it. They don't work their way into their inheritance. What do they do? They receive it. When you inherit something, like Kyle DeCock, who inherited Russ's dazzling good looks, he didn't do anything. He was just born. When you inherit something, a gift from someone who's passing it on to you, you don't earn that thing. You open yourself to that thing. You receive it. And gentle people, people who, who understand that power and clawing and trying to work their way up the ladder, whatever that looks like, 
people who, who live with this sense of inheritance get that all of life, everything is gift. The land is what Jesus uses from the Psalms. It's all gift. The people in your life, gift. The work that you have or don't have, gift. The health or illness or situation that you're walking through right now, gift. Gentle people are those people who go, I have inherited this life as a gift from the creator of the universe. Gentle people also notice pennies. It's having an ice cream cone with my friend who turned 77 a few weeks ago. And we were coming out of Dairy Queen, which I do love Dairy Queen, but if you want a cheap ice cream cone, you gotta go to McDonald's. <laughs> DQ ain't cheap anymore. And this person stopped on the sidewalk. We were walking down the same sidewalk, and he saw something different than I did. He saw a penny. Now, I grew up around a lot of Dutch people, so I'm used to people picking up change when they see it. But usually the motivation is a little different than this person's. Usually we're trying to get, a, you know, five cents richer. This guy said, uh, when I see a penny, I, I notice the face. Is it Abe Lincoln? He doesn't think about Lincoln, though. He thinks about somebody who's easily forgotten. The pennies of our culture. Penny's not worth a whole lot. You can't buy anything with a penny. It's essentially valueless. We're wondering why even have a penny? Should we even have it? It doesn't really serve a purpose. This person notices pennies. He's somebody who I would say is characterized by gentleness. His pace is a little bit slower. His eyes are a little bit more open. He's a little bit more in tune with what's currently there. And he sees a penny and he says, I usually just kind of say a prayer to remember somebody. Remember somebody who's easily forgotten. Maybe they're shut in. They can't leave their home. Maybe it's somebody who, who doesn't speak our language and yet is a part of our community. And so it's hard for them sometimes to interact. Maybe it's somebody who, who's been ill for a long time and haven't been able to like be in the game or something. Maybe it's somebody who's always like the last one picked for dodgeball. He notices pennies. What this does is it tunes us in with the activity of God because every person bears the image of the creator. Genesis 1 says that God saw humanity and said it's really good. We've created them in our image. And every person is an image bearer of God. Christian, Jew, Muslim, Greek, Republican, Democrat, gay, straight. Every person has intrinsic and inherent value because God says we've created them in our image. People who are cultivating a sense of gentleness and a culture of aggression are people who take the time to notice pennies. Since that happened, I've been on the lookout. I haven't seen any pennies yet. But if there is one laying around, I'm going to even extend the game to include nickels. 
And I won't turn down a quarter if I see it. The third thing that I think gentle people, people who are cultivating a greater and greater restraint with their power, with their words, with the way that they are in the world, the third thing that they they seem to do is live with gravitas or comes out of the, the word gravity or weight. There's like a weightiness to their soul. There's a depth in them. They get something and you know it when you're around them and you look at them and you hear their words. They know something. They have some sort of like secret. Maybe it's the secret that, that they inherited life, that it's all a gift. Maybe they've walked through something and that fire has refined them to the point where they want to be real gentle in terms of how they walk through this world. They don't want to do any damage anywhere. And so they walk real humbly and their steps are real light. Let me just say that this is not my natural way of being in the world. This is not the mode that I automatically go to. When I hit uh, the button and turn Nick Indhout on, I am not a naturally gentle person, but I see it all around me in this community. Folks who live with like a weighty soul, a gravitas that I want, that I want to imitate I want to be like. James 3.17. These are the people who live with a wisdom from heaven that's pure, that's peace-loving, and it's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. And they seem to know this thing because they have been met with a divine tenderness. Perhaps at some point in their life, they had an encounter with God where they could say once and for all, above everything else, God is love. How many of you have seen these GoPro videos? There are some awesome ones. I don't know how I got on this. How do you get on anything on the internet? You click and you're here. Anyways, there was this GoPro one. There's one where these dudes are on like this cliff, these, a guy and a lady, and they jump off this cliff, and then all of a sudden they like pull a parachute, and it's awesome. It's not that one. It's another one with a guy in South Africa. And he's in like a lion sanctuary. Anybody seen this one? He's like a lion trainer, and, but they're not in a zoo. They're in like the wild, but it's kind of like a, um, a wild that people are observing. What is that called? It's not a sanctuary. Preserve, yeah, woo, nice job. Lion preserve, something like that, right? And um, he's in South Africa, and he takes his GoPro with him. And he, he's going to find the lions in this, like, preserve. And you're like, brother, don't do it. Don't go, don't go to the lions. The lions have claws, and they will kill you. You're probably really yummy, and they see you, and they're like, Number three on the menu. Let's get him. Don't go for the line. But he does. He walks through this preserve. And then there's a moment where you see the lion. And the lion sees him. And now you're like, turn and run. Turn and run. Run, run, run. The lion's going to get you. And the lion comes. And you're like, no, no. The lion jumps on him. Anybody seen this? It's phenomenal. Jumps on him. And you're like, here come the claws. 
And the lion like gives him a hug. And he falls over because the lion is humongous. And this giant lion is on top of him. And he's like hugging it and like scratching his belly. And the lion's like, ah, brothers don't claw each other and eat each other. They hug. It's this beautiful, beautiful moment. And I think gentle people are people who maybe at one time thought God was like going to claw them to death and eat them. They were afraid of God. They, they saw in him all that strength and power, and they thought, if I go to him, he will certainly have me for lunch. And they went to the preserve to meet with God, and he came, and he embraced them. And he said, I'm not here to eat you right now. I'm here to give you a little hug to encourage you. I want to love you. You're my child. Oh, man, that's the good stuff. Gentle people know it. They feel it in their bones. They've been met with that divine tenderness. The prophet Isaiah, quoted by the evangelist Matthew, says that the Messiah would come. And when he does, a bruised reed he won't break. And a smoking wick or a smoldering wick he won't snuff it out. Maybe that's you this morning. You feel like a smoking wick. Man, I'm supposed to be burning, but I feel like I'm barely holding on. I'm a reed that has a purpose of like reeds were used to measure things. And I feel like right now I just am serving no purpose in the world. I've lost that. I've lost that reason to be. And I want you to hear this morning. That the divine response and reaction to you is not to snuff you out. Is not to say, well, you should be doing this and this and this and this and this. Like a lion, God comes and embraces you right where you are. Says, I'm not going to snuff you out. And I'm certainly not going to break you down. My reaction and response to you is a humility, a tenderness. A gentleness. Gentle people, gentle communities are ones who have lived into this character of God. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying already. I can hear it because it's in my head too. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like out there. You work at a church. Things are always nice working at a church. You don't know what it's like when I get to my college campus. I can't be weak. I can't let people see that. You don't know what it's like when I get to work on Monday morning. If I'm not tough and I don't front some power, I'm going to get stepped on. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get like taken advantage of when I stand in front of kids in my classroom. If they don't see some real like power and if I don't clamp down on them, then man, you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be chaos. And so we use the hammer speak softly and carry a big stick. That's right. And I'll use that stick if I need to. I hear you. Gentleness isn't exactly the easiest sell. Especially to people uh, who tomorrow morning got to step into an environment that's very hostile. As a Christian community, who are we imitating Donald Trump. No. As a Christian community, we are imitating Warren Buffett. 
No, thank you. If you're ever in doubt, Jesus is always the answer at church. <laughs> we're, we're walking after, we're chasing. What makes you a Christian is that you're inviting God to transform you into the likeness of his son. It means you've met the divine. You've met God in his mercy and in his tenderness. And you're saying, God, make me like you, not make you like me. This week I had a great breakfast with somebody who said that there is somebody in their life right now who treats them like absolute garbage. I heard it. And when I heard his story, I got really mad. And I wanted to go find this person and take him out, what does Scott always say, behind the barn or something, right? I don't even know what that means. We didn't, didn't grow up around a lot of barns, but like, <laughs> I hear him say that. And they must have a lot of barns in Canada. But this person said, I was amazed, by the way, that this, this person said this. I was, I was shocked. I went away from our breakfast just like this was the only thing I could remember from our breakfast. Um, he said, you know what I've been doing recently? And I was like, I was waiting for him to be like, you know, I lift such and such amount of weight. He said, I've been praying for this person. I was like, you have? He's like, yeah. He's like a real jerk to me but I pray for him. And he goes, things are getting a lot better. He goes, I'm like, the guy is changing? He goes, yeah, I don't know, maybe a little bit. But he goes, but I'm changing a lot. I'm praying for him, and that's changing me and my heart. I'm seeing him more with God's eyes. I see him as a really confused person, an angry person, someone who belongs to God but maybe doesn't even know it yet. And I've been praying for him. I was deeply moved by this person's story. I know there are a lot of those in here. I know there are a lot of you who pray for your enemies. And I know Monday morning can be a really challenging and difficult time. If nothing else, consider this. God comes into the world, not as a lion, not even as a lion. He steps into the world as a lamb. He comes to you and me, not in strength, although we do sing about strength, and Terry is going to remind us about that in a minute. He comes to you and me, not with power and might, though he certainly could. He comes to us most clearly in the person of Jesus as a lamb. Lambs don't have, like, claws. Lambs don't have a lot of defense. Lambs don't have, have a lot of ways to sort of like, they're not camouflage. Lambs are exposed. Lambs are in the world and they're essentially for the good of others. We take their wool, we slaughter them and eat their meat. We use them as sacrifices. And Jesus comes in this world. Revelation 21. As a lamb. 